This is our league, and this is your league. Broadcasting from the 55-yard line in Japan to the shores of the Great White North and everywhere around the world on Gridiron America Radio and the Sports History Network. everybody welcome to from the 55 yard line and it is we're almost at the new year part um we're a few days out let's see it's uh december 29th here in japan it's about quarter quarter to 11 a.m uh my time and i'm sitting here with uh our new co-host with dave dave sitting at his uh he's up in uh where are you at dave i don't want to give away your location but let everybody know exactly kind of you know I'm the Rochester area, Rochester, New York area. That's cool. So the shores of the Great Lakes is is yes, it, is as we say in the in the opening, the shores of the Great White North, basically. Where where, where it's fifty three and raining today. Jeez, it's uh, it's about the same here, but it's not raining. It's in the fifties. So no, I'm not complaining about the weather, but no, I'm happy to you know, I'm yep. I'm happy you're filling it. You know, obviously when when. Scott Annette told me he was going to retire. You were the first person I thought of to to fill his shoes because you've been an avid listener of not just the from the fifty five yard line show, um, but also the other shows on the Sports History Network. And on top of that, you and I did our little beta show, the XFL Infowars show, um, which uh, you know I had out there on the uh, on the uh, on the when I was when it was anchor. It's now Spotify, but you and I did that show. We did everything up until like the championship and then, I don't know, life got in the way and everything. So we had a good time just kind of, you know, taking a look, not so much at the XFL itself on the field, but the media, the landscape, you know, what Uh people were saying about the XFL. So, um, and obviously like our show from two weeks ago, you were supposed to be with us, but life got in the way. So it was uh, Tim, Mike, and I sitting down talking spring football. So I'm happy to be here. Like I said, I, I wish I could have been in that conversation, but uh, looking forward to this and uh, going forward. No, I'm happy to. Have, it's uh, we got to do this more. We got to make this a regular thing yeah. because it's been too long since conversations. I think the last time we talked was what maybe around. God, I want to see March or April. I think it might have been April. Yeah, it was into into the XFL season. So, yeah, that'd be that long. Yeah, Yeah, wow. Yeah, and uh, so here we are. Now let's talk spring football. Now, when I woke up this morning, there was news. Okay, so first of all, anybody who's listening right now, and again, this is December 29th of 2023. So this show might be dated by the time anybody listens to it because it'll be going out tonight. But... And Dave, correct me if I'm wrong as, as we're going along here in terms of mm-hmm. where we're at with, with spring football. We got a merger. We know the USFL teams, I guess, which USFL teams are going to be. We still don't quite have an official announcement from the XFL as to what teams are actually going to move forward. And then this morning I wake up and find out, I guess, um, you know, Heinz Ward 
is no longer the coach of San Antonio and bump. I'm not, I was going to say bump Phillips. Wade Phillips is going to take over that team. Am I correct? Am I, you know, yes. am I missing yeah, anything? And, nope. You're, you're right. And honestly, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not surprised with, with the, uh, with the move. Um, Russ Brandon, I mean, when Wade Phillips coached the bills, Russ Brandon was the president. Okay. So there's a history there. So I don't know where, where they were with, with contract with, with Heinz Ward, what his thought process was. Um, if I remember correctly, the XFL coaches were, were making a large sum of money. Um, so with a, with a merger or reconstruction, reconfigure on the finances, there may have been an, may have been a, this is, if, if you want to come back, this is what we're going to offer. I don't know. It's all speculation, but Wade Phillips has a history with Russ Brandon. So I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. If, 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 Wade was available. Russ made a phone call and made it happen because he coached the Bills to their last – well, prior to this reincarnation of the Bills playing now, um, he was the last coach that took the Bills to the playoffs. So there's a history. So Okay. Well, you know, when I saw Wade Phillips, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's good news. It's not like, you know I, – I, you know, anytime, I, anytime the few games I watch with San Antonio – when they were playing it to me, I watched Heinz Ward and it just looked like he didn't want to be there. He just didn't. So who knows? I mean, I, I just, I always got the feel. He just never looked on the sidelines. Like he was very enthusiastic. Now it could be too. Cause the way the team played, I mean, they were not, I think they had a losing record. Um, but I'd have to look at the standings and everything. I mean, by the time we got to April last year, I think I was completely exhausted with football in general and kind of and kind of fell off. Obviously, um, you know, we didn't cover we didn't talk about the championship game. I think you and I were both of the opinion there. It's like, okay, well, if they can get we were like, okay, if they can get through season one, we'll talk more about it down the road. Mm-hmm. And then we just never got back to it. And obviously you and I, when it comes to, okay, so now since, you know, you and I really, I mean, this is our first conversation in, in literally months. Mm-hmm. So what was your first impression when these leagues announced that they were going to merge? In- inevitable. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that pops in my head. I mean, I think the long, the, the long-term prognosis is once one league could be strong, two leagues are going to put a financial drain on everybody. Um, the talents out there, there's no, there's no doubt about it. They can, they can, they can find the talent and it works, work and and you can feel the teams. But financially, I mean, I think eight to twelve teams. I mean, if it's just eight this first year, you have two sides who are willing to spend money, willing to participate in this. And if you can combine the resources, um, you can hopefully limit their financial exposure to where, you know what? Fox is on the hook for XYZ amount. Redbird's on the hook for XYZ amount. They get a good media deal. They get some good stadium deals. Um, viewership is is decent. You're, the whole streaming service thing is a whole different animal that is still being understood by everybody involved i i I just think at the end of the day 
the the game on the game on the field is going to have to sell to the people watching it. Um, and we'll see. I, 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 I like it. I mean, I think if you can take the best of both and feed it financially, I think that's a win for everybody, but I think right. we need, everyone needs to just, um, take a step back on which is better, which is worse. Who is this? Who is that? Because at the end of the day, it's none oh, of yeah. our money. It's none of our money. It's right. it, 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 it's, it's people, extremely wealthy people who don't like to lose money. And that's basically what it is. I mean, yes. Can Redbird afford to fund this and lose 60 to a hundred million dollars a year indefinitely? Most likely, but you don't become wealthy by losing money. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, you heard 60, it probably was more than that. And, and Fox had a, the Fox has kind of kept it close to the vest a little more and they set money aside and who knows how fast that's, how fast they burn that through. But the USFL had never mentioned anything about not having a third year. So, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out and what direction it goes, because you have two strong entities who have their way of doing things, trying to come together and put this forth. So, I mean, they, they have the financial wherewithal to do it. It's just, agreeing and doing it in my eyes. Okay. And so when it comes to that, okay. So when it comes to, you know, cause the thing that I harped on last year was about optics and leadership. Mm -hmm. The product on the field was good. The play was good. I mean, there was no issues I had with any, you know, any, any of the play, you know, mm -hmm. you get people and this is where social media, social media is a horrible place. Everybody's got an opinion, but I think everybody on social media would agree. The play was very good. It was much better than what a lot of people expected. Um, so there was no complaints there. But where it came to, I think, a lot of the divisions, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the criticisms were not not so much. Now, with the USFL, I'm going to uh, straight up, I'm going to say I wasn't able to watch it because I'm geo-blocked. So all I kind of was able to get a feel of with the USFL was what I read on social media, which I tried not to really buy too much into. Um, but when it came to the XFL, obviously I could watch it at ESPN plus I was able to VPN it and optics wise, what we saw in Vegas and, you know, and I bet I said this from the very start, I'm tired of seeing the rock every five minutes and this league being all about Danny Garcia and, you know, and about her being the first female owner of a, of a league to, it just, to me, it came across with those two is very narcissistic and their player 54. I mean, between their player 54 reality show, which was really about them and all the, you remember that one thing I got really ticked off about when it came out, the breaking news out of the XFL, um, Tara Matt, whatever the name of the tequila is, the official tequila sponsor of the league. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, so uh, to me, it's about leadership. I didn't really see that coming out of the USFL, where uh, to me, it just seemed like the focus of the USFL was what was on being played on the field, players, whereas the XFL, it was all about two people running the league or at least being the, 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 you know, being the, I don't want to say the um the face 
the face of the league. Yeah. And it just, to me, and then I, that really kind of soured me. And I think, and it did mm-hmm. sour a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. even on social media, there was a lot, I thought it was me for a while and I'm like, okay, so it's not me. And then obviously then we also had, you know, the way the XFL was being spun by the media about, you know, attendance and ratings. And obviously ratings were best when it came to over the air broadcast because a lot of people have gotten rid of their cable subscriptions and are doing streaming and using the old fashioned rabbit ears antenna. So, and that was something I misspoke on not realizing, you know, had, you know, this is one of those, it was one of those times where I had to go back and go, Oh crap, I was completely wrong. But yeah, over the air when the on regular old fashioned TV, like when we grew up, the ratings went up. I mean, these were not, ratings that were even equivalent if i if i'm not mistaken these weren't rate the types of ratings that the first usfl got the first usfl ratings were much much bigger compared to what you're seeing now but again we live in a different century now so how we measure success and failure is completely different and then there was the issue of well we don't know what the streaming numbers are and every time a pr piece came out on xfl news hub and that's what it was that's the way it read oh but we don't know what the we don't know what the streaming numbers are so these are real so it was always positive but then you had jim larson in one piece going yeah no not so much this is not you know uh, you know there was pro football newsroom was more you know was more realistic about it and yeah i mean all of us all the the news the, the news, I mean, there's just so many news fan sites out now that mm-hmm. I'm losing track, which we're going to get into when we talk about the CFL here in a second. Um, everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got their news site. God love them. My mm-hmm. big thing is, mm-hmm. hey, just, it, you know, if you're going to report numbers, you know, explain it. You know, be, be upfront about it. Don't say you're a news site, but yet you're a PR fan site too. Um, hey, the numbers weren't great. The numbers could have been a lot worse, but don't be Baghdad Bob and and say, hey, you know, these numbers are great. They're just the way we want when you see troops, U.S. troops in the background moving through your capital. I mean, it's just not what, you know, <laughs> just call, be honest. Hey, yeah. these suck. They could get better. They will get, they can get over the air. Okay, now we're, this is what we need to do. We need to do over the air, but you put it on like FX1 or something, um, you know, and you're saying the ratings sucked when they were on on an obscure ratings channel. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, but with that said, everybody, you know, all these little news outlets that are covering because mainstream, because the mainstream sports outlets aren't covering the XFL or USFL at all. No, just just the uh, the groups they have um, deals with. So you saw Fox talk about the USFL. Yeah. Um, you had ESPN talk about the XFL, but I mean, with what you're saying about the way the the, the leagues were, it, it's also your you resemble what your leadership is. Uh, Daryl Johnson didn't want you. You can tell he didn't want to be that center of tension. Right. He wanted the attention in USFL to be on those teams, on those players. And you can see almost every interview he did or when he was on, he, it was reluctant to really be interviewed 
or be like to be known as the president or the pseudo commissioner because it just he was about giving these guys and and people a chance and it was really about the football and that's where maybe the USFL could have used a little more of a a marketing angle to do a little bit more um maybe not the excessiveness that the XFL did um because i mean they they the XFL followed the blueprint of Vince McMahon and the over the topness of everything and they just didn't add the wrestling flair to it um right i mean Vince McMahon lost hundreds of million of dollars on the XFL but he was also doing 10 times the promotion than than this go round the XFL did it was much more measured it was much more penny wise on what they were doing and i was reading an article where i, I forgot where i read it, it might it might have been something you posted uh, uh, somebody was in orlando um for during the time of during the season and literally did not see one billboard was asking people no one knew the xfl was in orlando and it was like the weekend of a home game right yeah and, and it's like that that is that's where the disconnect was the xfl had hubs where they practiced and then flew in to play but they didn't do anything yeah there was no community engagement yeah there was nothing so I mean, you, and they just thought it was like St. Louis was a was an amazing thing, but they also were burned, and they wanted this to support the stick it to the NFL. Going, look, we do support football, so it, it, they they didn't they didn't have eight of those teams. They it just it didn't work out that way. So they whatever whatever meshing together, they need to, they need to really figure out a way to solidify that community if you're going to ask them to buy tickets buy season tickets buy sponsorship is to really and in, in a quick fashion but in a smart fashion get involved i mean yeah. it, it'll, it'll depend on where they end up being on on uh on tv or streaming i mean they they lost they lost nbc but I'm not really sure if that's the worst thing that that they did was was losing losing NBC. Um, yeah, they yeah. Peacock didn't do him any help. I mean, it, I, I'm just I'm looking at they weren't on they weren't on Prime NBC, so it wasn't. It's not it's not a loss if you're not going to be on USA. I mean, that's like being on FX. So if if Fox can leverage Fox and maybe figure out a way to to get Maybe it's ESPN Plus for streaming, um, for international, and then do something here lo- um, in in the states to get to combine both of them. Who knows? I mean, there there's 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 money. There's there's some serious money to be made, and that's probably that. Not my my thoughts is that that's probably their focus right now and what what they want to solidify and go in the direction with that because whoever they partner with for if they are looking to go on FX one or ESPN is before they can announce a schedule, they got to get those dates locked in with television. That's what FX, that's what um, the XFL found out when they're on at 10 o'clock at night on ESPN or, or they, you, you can't announce your schedule and then go to, then go to, then go to a broadcaster because all these networks are years in advance 
and, and you you need to fill they're going to go hey this is what we have available you need to then figure that out that's why seattle had awful games on thursday night when they're starting at 10 o'clock here in the east coast because it's the only time slot they had available yeah yeah and then you heard when you when you when you went online you're like seeing all the grumbling about it and rightfully yeah. so I oh, yeah. mean, it, it it's um, the XFL to me just kind of sh- kept shooting themselves in the foot as they started out, and again, it just boggled my mind. I mean, they had the XFL had everything in place to to make this thing a success last year, more than what they had. I mean, to me, it looked like a poorly executed plan, and they were making up up as they went along. There were some good things that they did. But there were some bad things. So obviously, you know, talking about TV schedules, it was all over the place. Merchandising, you know, people weren't getting their stuff. Um, community engagement, there basically was none. Um, so and that's why when this merger came along, I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's the USFL must be absorbing the XFL. And it turned out it was a basically a marriage of equals, but the rot- Redbird Capital's taking over management. If I'm understanding everything correctly. Um, I don't know how it's going to work management wise and everything, but I just, I, I hope that the people that are doing it this year and if it's Redbird capital, learn their lesson from last year, because if we have a repeat of what we saw last year to this year, it's a, it's game over for spring football. Nobody's going to come back to it. I mean, they've already locked in the hardcore fans, the guys that we see on Twitter that, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that do the YouTube, you know, the guys, who, you know, the guys who do the websites, the hardcore fans, the ones that really want this thing to succeed and have invested time, a lot of time and effort into it. And, you know, guys at the Pro Football Newsroom, XFL News Hub, haven't invested a lot of personal time, a lot of, you know, we're talking money too. They've invested a lot of time and money into this endeavor. And I sure hope for them you know, and I say this, you know, I'm a, I'm a critic of all these news sites, how they present everything, but I hope for them that this league turns itself around because I want to see these guys get rewarded for all their time and effort to this league, to this endeavor that it sure to me didn't seem like the XFL cared about. They didn't care about the casual fan. Um, just based upon everything I was reading, on social media in terms of merchant. I just, it, to me, um, they just thought, you know, people were going to, they need to attract more than the hardcore fan and they've got the hardcore fan, but I think in some yeah. ways they might be losing that a hardcore fan. If they do, if they basically do a repeat of what they did last year with the XFL, because they're, you know, right away, you've already lost when it comes to the XFL and even with the USFL, you've already pissed off half the fan base because you've already cut half the teams. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, whether or not, in the and what I was hearing was, well, these teams are going to be dormant. Well, you and I are, are both, in, you know, both students of sports history, especially when it comes to football. And we know that with the exception of the Cleveland Browns, who are playing right now, and I turned the, I turned it off because <laughs> get me alert. I didn't want. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want it. There's only been one team that has ever cut that's been dormant that's ever come back. You know, let's talk about the Engle- Let's talk about the um 
Oh, the World League of American Football is a classic example. They came, they shut down, they came back, and you know they had a good thing going in Europe with the World League of American Football, relatively decent crowds in Frankfurt, Barcelona, and London. Yeah. But when they shut, they shut down, and then they came back. Those crowds really, ne- those crowds never came back. Um, so I don't see how all this flowery talk about well they're dormant. And this is where I have the issue with the the, the fan news sites, yeah, that are parroting what is being said by the league. No, be critical about it. Throw in some history there. Talk about it. Going okay, you know, uh, this happened back in the nineties. This never happened. We should be skeptical. We should be hopeful, but also be skeptical as to what their game plan is because history shows when a team goes away, it goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, ask, just ask Baltimore fans. Yeah. And, and it's tough because those we all know the fan sites that write this stuff and they need to keep they need to keep their their sources. So they're gonna they're not gonna criticize because whoever is giving that information is gonna cut gonna cut them off for being negative. I mean, because they because we there isn't a mainstream, like there isn't a I'll use Adam Schefter. There isn't a, a Adam Schefter or a Woj who can, who can who could get away with being honest and truthful because there's enough people feeding them information. Right. But if but if either one, like I'm not gonna name names because I well, anybody who's listening to this and who follows XFL knows who we're talking about. Yeah, the, these guys, these writers are. This is what they're trying to do. It's a career, and and, and all the best to them. It, it's it's a hard thing to do, and they're doing it for the love, most likely. But they also need they need they they have their following, and yeah. if they're too if they're too critical, the faucet is going to get shut off on them. So, they're the 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 league is relying on them that. They're going to get this information out and they're the voice. And then in exchange along the way, they'll get some inside information. They'll get a, they'll get a scoop that's going to help them out, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be, they're not going to be, they're not going to be hypercritical because they're, they're not going to get any more information because it is just, it's just how it works, which is sad. And also does, and it does a disservice to them because if they, to me, if you want to be taken Sir, and I've said this to many, you know, on my Twitter account. I don't know why it is people care what I think on Twitter. I mean, because I have been DM'd with, I don't know, let, let's let's call it veiled threats about my opinion and about my negativity towards certain news sites. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, social media. First of all, you know, not slandering anybody. I'm not, I'm just calling it as I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if I think one new site is completely slanted and puts out crap, I'm going to call them out for it. Mm-hmm. Period. You, you can block me. You can do that on social media, but you know, coming at me and just making veiled threats. Hey, you know what? Just step up your game. Just be, be, jur- you know, have some journalistic, you know, credibility here. Just ask, be ask the question going, okay, well, this is great and everything. But here's the questions we need to, these are the things we need to know. These are, you know, uh, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. You can be crit- There's a way to do it without being a dick. Be respectful. Be respectful. Saying, okay, yeah, that's great. But here's the questions that we need to know. Where is the league going to go from here? Um, 
you know, all. So, hey, you know what? Their websites, they can do with them what they want. I just have, you know, and I think at some point I'm going to get rid of Twitter just to be in, just. <laughs> I've already been tossed off. Uh, the people over at XFL Reddit do not like me, and they've they've made that very clear that I am not welcome in their sphere. Um, and on t- but you know social media is changing too. So yeah. how we, you know in terms of everybody's got an opinion. Hey, listen, mine's just one of many, and I'm not the only one that thinks this way. So um, I just wish everybody the best of luck, and I hope you know for 2024. Listen, I'm just going to let it play out. I'm not going to be hypercritical of what certain news reporters or what certain news sites kick out. Let's just let it play out and see how it goes. Because you and I, I think, are both, we're still on the fence going, yeah, yeah, we've been kind of, we've been here before. Let's not get our hopes up, but let's enjoy what we have. So final thoughts on that? I'm in, I'm in the impression, I'm in the camp of, the more opportunities for jobs in, in, in professional sports, the better. And, yeah. and, and, and we, I look at all of it from the, from the front office staff. That's my background. It's jobs. These are people's ambitions and dreams to, to do this stuff. And hey, the more opportunities that there are, the best. That, that is awesome. With right. all these different leagues, every everything. Uh, I mean, professional volleyball, which you guys talked about in the in the with with Tim. Great, you can earn a living playing a game you love. How how is that not the greatest thing ever? Like the more the like the more the merrier. Like it it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. But and but the question is, and this is where I think you and I we both talk about it. But there's only so many. Everybody's trying to get a piece of that sports entertainment pie, mm-hmm. and it keeps getting, you know, we got professional lacrosse, we got professional this, we got professional. Hell, is there professional pickleball now? There is. Okay, so yeah, there. Pam Mahomes <laughs> owns a team. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's trying to get a a, a piece of that pie, and also wow. too, when it comes to spring football. That's a very slim, slim piece of the pie that everybody's trying to to take because there's just so much going on in spring. Of course, it's it's all about the content. They, there's there's content that needs to be all these st- different streaming things. Everything needs content. Everybody, it's too expensive. Excuse me to create your own content. So if you can be a content provider, that's where they're looking to these leagues and these sports to do that because it's just, it's not profitable for these services to keep creating it. They rather buy it, sell advertising in it, and then repackage it out to the consumers who then are trying to get subscribers for. So it's a, it's a cycle. That's why you see so, so many of the, so many um, content creating companies pop up because that's where, all these all these streaming services need is content yeah well i think we're going to get to a point where i don't know i mean when it comes to i mean youtube's like basically youtube has become for the 21st century basically like i want to say it's like having an aerial antenna yeah you can get anything you want Mm -hmm. you can watch whatever 
and everything's free, but there are ads as, as attached with it. Mm-hmm. All these separate little streaming services. Again, we talked, I think we talked about this when we did the InfoWars show. Yep. Um, they're hemorrhaging money. You get Paramount was hemorrhaging money, HBO Max. I don't know. I just see a I see a point in time where everybody just says, F it. Gonna go put everything on YouTube, like and subscribe, and then you know, make money off the algorithm, you know, make you, you earn money based on the number of people you're trying and, to get. And that's all he's trying, and that's all these services are trying to become their own personal version of YouTube without paying someone else to do that or putting it up on, on, on the band is, is be their own YouTube. So, I mean, with all their own content and things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's safer, of course, to put it on YouTube yeah. um, because there's less overhead, but you're not, you're not, it's not generating the revenue that if you got, I mean, curious to see what Netflix goes. Netflix has been talking about getting in the, into the sports business and where Amazon goes. Yeah. It, the, the pockets of Amazon have no bo- have no bottom. Right. And you, you can have, I mean, I mean, at at some point, there's going to be another competitor to ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you see that with Apple Plus. Yeah. yeah, Apple. Not yeah, Apple. Is it Apple Plus? I'm thinking Apple Two Plus. The actual, the old computer we grew up with. Uh, <laughs> Apple TV. What I mean, whatever. I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. And and I'm not trying to get off topic, but no, it's about, it's about streaming. I'd be curious to see where this MLS deal goes on Apple. Because a, a, lot, a lot of the industry talk has been that is a deal ahead of itself, like ahead of its time, that this deal year one through five is not going to be the value is. It's going to be year five through 10 because it's not it's not so much what's going on now. It's where it's going in the future. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that, how when you sell your exclusive rights to one place and have nowhere else to see it what that does and and it sounds like in the like going down the line with Bally sports all the regionals going on that major league baseball bringing the streaming service inside and allowing teams to do their own thing where I'm not signing up for the MLB package. I'm signing up for the San Diego Padres package or the Chicago Cubs package or whatever team that is. It's in a sense that same concept of MLS and Apple, you're going to one place to watch your sport play. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I see a point in time in five years, Google's just going to own everything. Google is going to be like, Hey, Hey, well, we've got the NFL. Let's just grab everybody. And they've got the platform. And the thing is, and that's the other part with these streaming services. So I have DAZN to be able to watch huh? the NFL, you know, the NFL International. It's not a great app. A lot of been, a lot of complaints. Um, but man, but when I use YouTube on my smart TV, I've never had an issue mm-hmm. at all. Um, so I think just Google's got the better technology, obviously size matters. Um, but yeah, I can see a day where, I mean, our, everything's going to be controlled by three entities and 
but mm-hmm. and that's kind of transitioning into talking about yep. the CFL. So, you know, with the CFL, obviously, they decided this year we're not going to be on. I mean, they they did all their broadcasting internationally, except in the states, was available for free over the internet. And so, when you were watching the CFL, was it on CBS, the CBS Sports Channel? How how that work this year in the states? I didn't. I, I don't. I didn't get the the CBS Sports Network. I it's it's not it's only available through certain providers. I I think you get it through YouTube TV. I didn't have it, okay. um, so I was only able to watch on the CFL Plus games. So I, that was a a big bone of contention for a lot of people. But if I read it correctly, they got three times the money to go to CBS Sports Network than they got from ESPN. Yeah. So how do you how do you say no to that? Like right, yeah, yeah. You that's that's easy. Yeah, I mean, ha, 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 you you can throw darts at Randy Am, uh, Randy Ambrose and, and and complain about it. I'm like, he's just doing what the owners are saying. Take the money, Randy. Take the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still and okay. So so when it came to watching the CFL, then so without CBS Plus, so you were able to watch it on the CFL plus all the games. I mean, how did that work in the States? Only the game, like the first, I mean, it really came down like the first half of the season was on um, CBS sports network. And then a few games on CFL plus, I want to say right around the mid season, it might've been Labor Day, maybe a little bit before then it all became available on CBS plus. So literally right before football season in the CFL plus uh, uh, CFL plus. Yeah. So basically until the NFL started, the majority of the games were on in the States on the CBS Sports Network. But okay. once the NFL got rolling, it was all CFL Plus and only a sprinkling of CBS Sports Network. But I, I saw it. The, the, C, the CFL Plus broadcasts were fantastic. Yeah. They were, yeah. I mean, I, I was popping up. I was going uh, through on my television set and just going through uh, the internet browser, finding bookmark CFL plus brought it up and had no issues with streaming ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing here. And the thing is with the CFL plus um, that was the thing about when, as I've learned living in Japan here, if you have a VPN, there's a workaround for everything. Mm-hmm. So if you live in the States and you can't get C, you know, CFL plus during like that part of the season, when you don't have CBS sports, the workaround of that is, you just fire up your computer. I use, you know, I use one VPN service, ExpressVPN, and I'm calling them out by name because they have made my life so much easier and we're not getting any money for this for this plug. But I've used other VPNs and it was hit and miss. ExpressVPN, I'm able to watch ESPN Plus, able to watch the CF. I'm able to do everything I'm able to, Pretty much able to watch everything I'm able to watch back home, not a problem. Um, but yeah, no, when they did that, so that's the workaround for anybody who's listening for next season and they don't have CBS Sports Network, just get yourself a VPN, watch the game on the computer, and there's a way to actually, you know, if you're able to, I don't know how you do it, I'm able to cast from my phone. Oh, yeah, I can do that too. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's a way to do it, and it gets very techy, but if you're 
a little bit tech savvy or if you know somebody who is, reach out to them for next season because I tell you what, it's nice to be able to watch a CFL game on the big screen versus a phone or a laptop. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, and, I, yeah, I was even watching mine on my uh, Amazon Echo in my uh, kitchen. I was able to down the pull up on the internet there, and it was, it was crystal clear on that, too. It really? Was, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. No, it's just, I mean, in this day and age, everything's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it kind of gets me into my next thing, because we were talking earlier about these fan sites, like your XFL News Hub, your um, Pro Football Newsroom. Um, there was an article that came out on another fan, well, an obscure, obscure sports fan site news site, and it's called BGM Sports Track, and I, it's trax.com. Had never heard of this sports site before, but in the last few days, if anybody's listening and they're on Facebook and they're in any of the Facebook CFL groups, you saw the article that came up about American expansion. And at first when I saw this and I read it, I went completely negative. But then I started digging looking at the at the site where it comes from and the person who's running this site, and it might be Michael Heilman, I think that's who it is. Hey, bravo, this is a nice site. This this is a, there's a lot of work and love that's gone into this site that covers a lot of things. So and then I went back and I read the article and okay, first off, American expansion ain't ever happening ever again. However, he does come up with some good points and some good ideas. So what were your thoughts when you read it? My first thought when I saw the headline is this pops up every three or four years. It's like someone has this article written, they tuck it away and they put a Google alert to post it every, like every three years because it, it, it is just, I, I don't know. I, 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 your, your comments were phenomenal. Uh, but it was, it was just a laughable because it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, it's the same, it's the same city use. It's, it's the same song and dance with no, absolutely nothing behind it. So it's like, okay, it's nice. It gets clicks. I mean, yeah, it got a lot of clicks and it got a lot of comments too. Yeah, yeah. If you look, if you if you look at um, a bunch of those sites popped up for the XFL and the USFL all summer long, and you can tell it was they were they were looking for clicks, looking for hits, so they can drive advertising to their site. Period. Right. So mission mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. You got people talking. That article is probably been posted on like five different Facebook groups. Oh, past, at like, least, at least. So, and you know, I, I, it, I feel, it, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead. Go ahead, man. I, I feel bad because I clicked on it once and it's like clicking on an ad. The, the algorithm just keeps throwing it up, throwing it up every, every time. I'm like, I don't want to go to Facebook right now because it's just all of a sudden the same article pops up somewhere, somewhere else on a different group. I'm like, come on. I, I, I don't want to see this. It was on the Argo. It was on Argo's fan groups. It was, and honestly, I didn't really see a whole. I didn't see it all over Twitter. Yeah, but yeah, it. But you know what? Even though we know it's clickbait, and even though, you know what? I'm reading this thing, and the kid ain't wrong. No, the kid ain't wrong. I mean, 
Um, he was very, and I'm just going to read when he talks about CFL expansion in the 90s. The CFL did not put together a concrete plan. The U.S. expansion was out of desperation, which led to the eventual failure of the CFL. He's got it right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is interesting to see this kind of flow through. And I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, I mean, we'd all, the XFL would be, you know, the USFL would have never died. The CFL would have expanded in a perfect world. But yeah, it really, so I had to, so for those who are listening, uh, might have seen my meme. It's the progressive Dr. Rick explaining to somebody, uh, what was it? Uh, we the, the quote is, we have a lot of work to do. And I'm like, my my caption was, old CFL fans explaining to new CFL fans why their uh, ideas about American expansion will never work. <laughs> Some words to that effect. So, um, but no, I think all in all, I mean, he gave it, you know, the guy, I was thinking about writing a little myself, something on my little blog and reply to it. But I think at this point, I mean, he did, you know, the, I like the enthusiasm. I do like the fact that he does address the history that hey, it didn't work last time. So just leave it as is. I mean, it's, it's good to see articles, but man, you get some of these old school guys that, uh, you know, read the headline first, which is what I did and didn't really dig into the substance. But now that I, when I dug into the substance, I'm like, Oh, he's got some good points. Even with, you know, and I've been doing that a lot more with a lot of my, a lot of people I've criticized in the past going back and reading red. Okay. You know what? I was probably wrong. My first reaction wasn't the best. So for 2024, that's my, my, my new year's resolution. I'm not going to smack talk, not going to talk down anybody. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and just, you know, let the numbers, let the numbers, speak for themselves really is is the bottom line and mm-hmm. uh but when it comes to the cfl so we had you know it was nice to see montreal win um of course for the second year in a row i picked the wrong i picked winnipeg to take it all and of course it, they felt they fell through in the last quarter so what were your thoughts on the on the great cup this year it was it was awesome i mean i, I thought was. the season the season was great as a whole yeah um it, I was, I'll be honest, I was really engaged with it throughout the year. Um, Montreal, it, it was the classic. They they could beat the they could beat the bad teams and lose to the good teams and got hot when they needed. I mean, that the game against Toronto was amazing and what they it they hung close. I mean, they, it could have been Winnipeg had easily been up early in that game, but didn't. And then that that caught up with them at the end and Montreal moved down the field and it was a, it was a great pass. I mean, hit him, touchdown. I mean, you can't, unless you're a, unless you're a blue bomber fan, you can't ask for a better great cup. I mean, you just can't. It was, it had, it had, it was compelling throughout the night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't everybody, I think me included expected it to be a coronation of the Winnipeg blue bombers. And oh, yeah. I was happy to see it wasn't because I mean, I, if I got a, you know, I was, my brain said Winnipeg, but my heart was saying Montreal and you know, it was, yeah, but I feel bad for my blue bomber fans. Sorry, Joe Pritchard. Cause I know uh, our buddy Joe Pritchard over at the, uh, the Rouge white, um, Rouge white and blue podcast. Um, 
He was there. Um, he was there. Yeah. I filled in for him at, for the, uh, yeah. on their podcast to, uh, to talk. And, but I felt bad for, I, I'm, I'm watching the final score. I go, oh, I know Joe's not in a good mood right now, but, yeah. uh, you know, Winnipeg, I think will be back next year, but I think BC is going to be, you know, BC, BC is knocking on the door. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with the great cup, that's going to be in BC this year, I think, you know, if ever there was a moment for BC to overtake Winnipeg, this will be the year because to be able to play the, the Grey Cup in their home stadium will help turn that franchise around because... Yeah, if, yeah, if, if there's a year for BC ownership to me, you know what? Let's spend a little more. This yeah. is the year. This is the year. I mean, people were saying that Winnipeg was starting to go downhill this year and, and look what they did. So... I mean, it's one of those things where the you 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 the odds of going to five straight great cups it's tough, but they have a they're a good franchise. They're they're run well. They they're a veteran team, veteran leadership, and it it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. It'll be really uh, I'll wait to see. I'm waiting to hear about this tenth team and see how this is all gonna roll out. Obviously, it won't be ready for this coming year. Nice segue, too, because that's what I was just going to say. Let's talk about no- team because number 10. It, it, it's good It's good to see, and, and I'll wrap up on this. It's good to see at the end of the CFL season, all the talk about is looking forward to next year. Yeah. We're not talking about is the league going away. Right. Ratings are up. Revenues are up. It, it it just it just feels like you know what got through the pandemic, got through some tough times for everybody, and it looks like Canada has embraced it again fully. Yeah, America, the numbers are improving, which is is what you want. You want more eyes. You want more more people involved. And when Toronto, when the Argonauts attendance goes up, we all win. And that's how this year went. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to 2024. I, I yeah. think it's going to be another great year. Um, and there's probably four or five, maybe maybe five, maybe six teams that can win it. But good to see. I mean, I'm anxious to see how Edmonton improves. I'm anxious to see where Hamilton goes with what they've done. I'm interested to see Calgary was snake bitten every week by something. So it it I'm curious to see how this all shakes out with with everything moving forward. Yeah, and then of course there's there's the talk about the tenth team, mm-hmm. which you know they've been talking about that for how many how many decades now? I mean I've got an Atlantic Schooners mini helmet yeah. behind me right now, mm-hmm. uh, which I know that team's never going to see the light of day. So um, now they're talking Quebec City. Mm-hmm. And have you been to Quebec City? I've I've not been to Quebec. I've been to Montreal. I've okay. not been to Quebec. I I it's on my list. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Quebec. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's like going to Europe without having to to spend the yes, effort. Yep. Yep. And um, so now they're talking Quebec City. They're talking other, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's going to happen, but I just I I don't. I mean, there's been so much speculation over the years. We could sit and speculate it all we want, mm-hmm. but you know, if they're going to do a tenth team, they got to do it right. They it much, it, much like they did Ottawa right. 
when they yeah. brought you know team back mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think yeah. i think adding the uh the new owner of montreal this year with his with his pockets with his right i mean at the end of the day you can call it a rival streaming cable service provider i think I, I think I think I I feel I feel good about a tenth team being announced. They might not start for a couple of years, but I I I have a I have a a good feeling that we're gonna we're gonna see number ten announced within the next year. Yeah. And I and I don't see Halifax. I mean, there's there's at least one owner there that that I know of that could afford it. Um, but I'm not sure. Football's not a football's not a sport that. His background is not in professional football, so I don't know right. where where that would go. But um, I think Quebec would be a an awesome city, an awesome rivalry. I mean, I mean, I I think that Montreal Quebec rivalry could be what Toronto Hamilton is, or what I mean. It seems like they got these neat little pockets where these two teams, these two teams. I think it's just unnatural to do yeah. that. Yeah, and with Quebec City being as far out on the far out i mean that could be your maritimes team and who's to say that they don't play home games in (laughs) halifax or even st john's to kind of get the ball rolling and it could be you know it could be a regional team too much you know um you know i mean because the whole history up there is obviously french is more french Mm -hmm. and english i mean you could have something um but again it just depends upon marketing money and you know being smart about it so well, mm-hmm. so we'll see but yeah it's, it's nice to know it's nice to go into a new season coming up here and not talking about is this league going to be around because um after the pandemic you know we all remember what happened during that pandemic when they were talking merger with the xfl and there was all that you know talk about you know on the american side from these fan news sites going well, they should join the the more successful, soon to be more successful XFL, um, and join our league. Well, we don't hear that anymore. It's kind of nice. The XFL, to quote Denny Green, um, they were who we thought they were when it came to spring football. And but we'll see. But we got you know. Hopefully, we're going to have a strong spring league, whatever they call this, and hopefully everybody can rally around that. But yeah, there's room for. You know, there's room for spring football. There's definitely room for the CFL. Um, but and if the NFL will always be the, you know, the the 99,000 pound gorilla on the block, which gets me to my next question. How about them bills, huh? That was me knocking on wood. I don't think you'd hear that. Um, we'll see. They, 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 they have more work to do because just, just as when you think they turn the corner, they've, let you down. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. they, I, I want to say they, in the last three weeks now, they control more of their destiny, but they still need people to lose along the way. Like it's, it, it's winning their win, but they're still, I mean, if the playoffs end, if the playoffs started today, they're going to Kansas city. And I don't think anybody wants to go to Kansas city, regardless of the, the chief's problems right now. It's still one of those things where, I don't want to play Kansas City the first week. Yeah, no, I, I hear you because Kansas City is still Kansas City to me. They're your, yeah. to me, they are still. I mean, they're the. I mean, they're the defending champs. 
So to me, no matter even if they got problems and this kind of gets to me, it's like, they're kind of like, even, you know, back in the seventies, the Oakland Raiders, even when the Oakland Raiders had bad seasons, they Mm -hmm. were still a great team that could burn you 15 different ways from Sunday with Kenny Stabler and pulling, you know, and that's just how I look at the chiefs. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're down and everything, but yeah, they're still the odds on favorite. Um, but then you got, you know, Miami, I, it's still, it's going to be, I think this playoff this year with the playoffs is really going to be entertaining because, you know, obviously on the AFC side, you've got a lot going on there, but then on the NFC side, you've got Philly and Philly, the stock on Philly is down right now, but the stock on Detroit is up. And then you got the 49ers, which, I mean, there's just, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch the playoffs this year. I mean, it just, to me, it just doesn't look like it, it's really anybody. Do you remember back in during super remember back when the E not the Eagles, the Steelers made it to the Super Bowl and they were the number seventh um, seed. Well, I could see it still doesn't allow me to forget that. So, <laughs> yeah. So I could see this being one of those years where you get the oh, yeah. lower, you get the lower seeds making it in. Um, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's uh, it, it's who's, it's who's standing. I mean, the, I mean, it, it seems like in the NFC, nobody wants to win. Like, like you get to the top and then you drop a couple pegs, you get back up there, you get you, like, Dallas got there and they've dropped a couple. Um, the Eagles got there. Now they've dropped a couple. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think, I think Detroit's going to be for, it's going to be a rude awakening in Dallas this week. As much as I love to see, I am not a Cowboys fan, but I, I think after losing a couple in a row, the way Dallas has, I think they're going to be angry. And I think, I think they're going to take it out on the Lions this week. Well, if the Lions are going to lose, this would be the game to lose because it's really not going to hurt them too much. Exactly. And it, exactly. And it would give them a wake-up, you know, it give them the motivation. I'm like you, man. I hate Dallas. Yeah. I hate Dallas. I mean, there's Dallas and then there's Green Bay, and depending upon how each one is doing. Now, this year Green Bay is lower because they're not – Aaron Rodgers is gone, and you don't really hear a whole lot of smack talk from Packers fans. Um but you always hear crap from Cowboys fans. Now, I'm oh. a Cardinals fan. I have no skin in the game whatsoever. And a Bears fan, so I got no skin. But to me, the last time when I would – how do I want to say? The last time that I would have – the last time I rooted for the Cowboys was back when Roger Staubach played. That's how long ago. You know, back in the day, you know, you remember very well back in the day when we were kids, man. The Cowboys were on TV all the time. Every week. Every uh, afternoon game, it was the Cowboys. Every every four o'clock game, it's it, it seemed like they played the Redskins ten times a year at four o'clock on Sunday afternoons. It it just felt that way. Yeah. It it was it was it was the Death Cowboys and Giants. It was Cowboys and Redskins. It was always, always the four o'clock game because the, the Bills would play at one. So being in the Eastern, it was that's how it always was. Yeah, but yeah, and uh, and the Cowboys today. I mean, obviously, I've never been a Jerry Jones fan because he fired Tom Landry. Yeah, you know, the way that was handled, and ever since then, 
I've hated him ever since. So, I mean, but that's the great thing about NFL fandom. We can all smack talk each other and nobody gets mad. Yeah. Nobody. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. But a couple years, I'll be on top. Um, you know, when I do my memes and everything, you know, I do my XFL memes and I literally upset people so bad they try to hack into my accounts. They try to like, you know, block me out. I mean, I got kicked off Reddit because of my memes, because I offended the XFL fandom. But the great thing about NFL fans and even with CFL fans is, hey, we can laugh at our teams and then we move on. And, but when it comes to the Cowboys, there's always so much comedy gold when they lose because it's just, yeah. So, but I, going back to what we were saying in terms of Detroit, I'm rooting for Detroit. Oh yeah. I've been pulling for Detroit all year. You know, my good friend over at the world of foot, my good friends over at the world football yeah. podcast, Randy and Adam, yep. obviously they're huge lions fans. I used to live outside of Mich- outside of Detroit up in Michigan for a while. So if I would have stuck up there in the seventies, I would have been a lions fan too. Um, yep. So I'm really hoping, obviously, I think the lions are the, I think everybody is going to be rooting for the Lions come playoff time because they're going to look at everybody else going, they've all been to a Super Bowl, they've all had championships, not Detroit. Yeah. And and and, uh, and Dan Campbell's a good guy. He's very relatable. Yeah. He, he's very relatable to to everybody in in his love for his players, his love for the game. He's there he's very genuine and I think people just like that. He's not he's not the typical coach speak. Like he's got his passion is there always, always. Yeah. And you you can tell that connection he has with the players is unreal. Like it, you it like whether you're man number one, number fifty three, the practice squad. He seems like he genuinely cares about every single person in that room. Yeah, yeah. He's very old school. He's very yeah. It's he's like I think he's like the perfect coach for this team. So, yeah. um, and last year as we saw, I mean, he took a <clears> team that. I forget, you know, by the midway point, I mean, they were look, they were staring at, I think they only had about one win and then they, you know, ended up with the winning season. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in on the lions this year. This is, um, and on the NFC side, I'm sorry, the AFC side, I'm all in on the Browns. I have not checked the score of the, the Jets game. So, but if I got a, you know, if I got to pick two teams I want to see in the Super Bowl, it's going to be a Browns old school Browns lions championship Joe game Flacco. you told me joe flacco would, would be thrown for 400 yards a game three two three quarters of the way into the 2023 season i would have laughed at you <laughs> echoes of george echoes of george blanda man yeah and echoes uh, echoes of old of of the old school guys we grew up with and during, uh, do, do you want to know the score you, yeah you, what's the score because i it's 34-17 Cleveland at the half. Damn. <laughs> yep. Ooh. I just I just pulled up the NFL network or NFL.com. So I'm grabbing oh. this real quick because that's that's insane. Oh, I figured you had the game on in, in your in your no. study there. So so Flacco's got 300 yards passing and three touchdowns in the first half. Oh, geez. His fantasy numbers must be insane today. Actually, well, I'll look that up later, but <clears throat> Yeah. So, well, hey, to wrap everything up, a uh, couple well, more, a well, couple more. Oh, go for, ahead, man. For the FC, uh, I'm. I mean, granted, I'm from Buffalo. Love the love the Bills and all that stuff. But 
what a great story Lamar Jackson has been this year. Oh, yeah. Guy rolls out free agency, doesn't get a sniff from anybody, and now best record in the NFL, winning like he norm winning like he normally does. He's passing, he's running, and it's just it it's great. I absolutely love it because I still remember Bill Pullian saying they should make a tight end out of him, that he doesn't have what it takes to be a quarterback. And now he's at now he's got the best record in the NFL rolling after free agency when nobody, nobody would give him an offer. It, it, it It's just, it's just an amazing story. It's like, I, I mean, because of this story, I would love to see the Ravens win it all just, just to, just for him to hold the MVP up and go, you know what? There, none of y'all wanted me. And look what I just did with this right. team. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's much like, like last year's feel good story was uh, Jalen Hurts. Yep. And yep. so another feel good story. So yeah, if the Browns don't make it, I could I, I would be fine with the Ravens playing and, the and Lions I, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I understand Browns fans not wanting to not not wanting to give anything to the Ravens, but just the storyline on and just just what he has gone through and, and the ridicule he's gotten from not being a traditional drop back quarterback and just to see how you know what? They're 12. How are they 12 and three? Like they just keep winning. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think the days of the drop back quarterback are slowly oh. disappearing anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, we, we see that now in, in the quarterbacks. I mean, there's such a mixture. It's not like when we grew up, man, when everybody wore number 12 and drop back and, you know, I mean, not, Roger Staubach, Terry Terry Bradshaw, Bob Greasy, Ken Stabler, so on. I mean, the quarterbacks of today, really, to me, are all CFL quarterbacks mm -hmm. oh, of yeah. what you would of what you would expect of a quarterback in the CFL, and mm -hmm. which is where I expect to see Kyler Murray playing in a couple of years because I don't I think that I think the Kyler Murray experiment is pretty much done in Arizona, and as an Arizona fan, as a Cardinal fan. Uh, they should have cut him loose a long time ago. They should have kept Joshua Dobbs and moved on. But the Cardinals being the Cardinals, yeah, you know, here we are. And <laughs> we'll see and, who's playing quarterback for him next year. And and I think some of that has some of that lack of development has to go on that on their decisions on coaching. Oh um, yeah. I I I mean I, the Cliff Kingsbury Kingsbury experiment was, it seemed like just a waste of whatever, how many years he was there. It's like, uh, it just, the it offense, was. He, it was horrible. He, it, it looked like, it looked like every time Kyler Murray snapped the ball, he was running for his life. And it was, it was, it was just hike. And we, he just ran. Like I can he, chuck he, it. I can chuck yeah. it. And like, he's, He's like, man, he made an amazing throw. Yeah, he was going to get killed if he didn't run out and throw it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, oh. to me, this whole thing with Kyler Murray just had echoes of Jake Plummer. Because oh, if you yeah. recall back way back in the day, oh, Jake yeah. Plummer. Yeah, he's great. He can pull games out of a hat. Yeah, but the problem with Jake Plummer was he always put him in the hole. <laughs> and so to me, Kyler Murray was always put, you know, I mean, I use that playoff game against the Rams as a perfect example of so you know i don't know i just don't i 
they made a huge mistake to me in getting rid of Josh Dobbs. But as we know, when it comes to quarter, it's such a revolving door with quarterbacks nowadays. And, you know, even when we were growing up, you know, we're talking about, you know, quarterbacks, quarterbacks that we grew up at, quarterbacks we grew up with, the number 12s, where you always had, you know, he had Staubach always playing for the Cowboys. He had Bratch always, in our minds, always Mm -hmm. playing for the Steelers. Greasy always playing for the Dolphins, Stabler. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other people I'm leaving out of this, mm-hmm. but then he had other teams where it was a revolving door of quarterbacks, oh, yeah. you know, like my bears. <laughs> so, I mean, the teams of today are really no different from the teams back then. I mean, obviously Brady is another number 12 that was always around. Um, but you know, you get teams like the Cardinals just can't figure it out. You know, you're at least lucky in Buffalo. You at least have somebody there that you can, you know, you've got a star that you're like, okay, so he's had a bad couple. He'll he'll come back. I mean, you've got something in him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, even with the Bears, the Bears, you know, Justin Fields, to me, you know, they keep talking, oh, we're going to trade. Why would you want to trade Justin Fields? Because he does have flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. But it's his team around him. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bears, you know, they're, they're you know, they were talking about. And did I see something? I saw something in passing too, talking about Jim Harbaugh, talking about Bears quarterbacks. Is there a report out now that he's going to the Chargers? Yeah, there. They, yeah, there is a. I don't know. It's like five or six years of ridiculous amount of money, but it won't be announced until after the college playoffs. But there, there's they're really questioning the validity of that. Period. So who knows? I mean, I mean, going to your Josh Dobbs is. He was drafted by the Steelers. I remember when he came out of when he came out of college. Incredibly brilliant person. Didn't get a didn't get his didn't get a chance at the Steelers. And then been moving on. Well, I was so happy when he got that start with the Vikings. And granted it didn't work out, but that team has its own issues. But there's been a handful of teams that, that have brought him in and not really given him a chance and cut him loose. And it I, I in my estimations, he's like a um a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He may have a limited ceiling on playing ability, but the guy is absolutely brilliant. Like he is legitimately a rocket scientist. He is. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, so he's, he's... It, 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 if you, I look, I look at him as like, he'd be a unbelievable backup. Like I, I would love to see any player get a chance to start. It'd be awesome. But Ryan Fitzpatrick made a very lengthy career at being a more than serviceable backup, but also knowing his role in the, in the team and, and where he is right in the pecking order. And not, not every backup quarterback gets that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, being a backup really is the best job in the NFL. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to get paid well, and have a steady job for and, and and you know let's let's also keep in mind there too um get a decent a great pension out of it being a mm-hmm. backup quarterback being a Don Strock being a George Blanda well I mean George Blanda I don't know if that'd be a good example because when he played back then they didn't take care of the players but let's say being a Don Strock Jim McMahon even because Jim McMahon had a very long career as a backup quarterback and I mean people for, forget that you know, he backed up Brett Favre, you know, for that Super Bowl winning team. So he's got, you know, Jim McMahon's got two Super Bowl rings that 
other people forget about. But being a backup, yeah, no, I could see that. And right. um, my favorite know, backup, in, and this is obviously my regional bias, is uh, Frank Reich. We uh, yeah. we, we joked we joked around growing up like the greatest job in the world is Frank Reich making one point three million dollars, being called upon a couple of times a year, coming through a couple of times a year, but you know what? I got this clipboard. Boom. You know what you're doing. And then the second favorite job growing up was the third string quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. His name was Gail Gilbert. I'm not sure if he ever actually played in a game. I don't remember that guy. I don't remember that dude. He went to four Super Bowls with the Bills, then signed a free agent contract with the Chargers and went to the Super Bowl the next year backing up Stan Humphreys. He went to five straight Super Bowls. And lost lost all five. Yeah. Lost all five. But to say, like, I went to to five Super Bowls. (laughs) That's a pretty good story. It is. is. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you don't get paid the top money, but you get paid decent money. Um, I mean, Josh McCown is another one of my favorites because he played for the Cardinals. And he really, I mean, he looked like, I mean, just the visuals, he looked like Dolph Lundgren. And, but he was a good quarterback. He had, you know, was learning from Kurt Warner. Oh yeah, I mean, there's so many. Oh, we could go on forever just talking about backup quarterbacks today. Yep. You know, so switching gears here. Um, before we wrap up, a couple other items I want to talk about. Let's talk about some good football books because right now, um, you know, w- when I did when Scott and I did this show, we would talk with authors, obviously, and yep. talk about one book in general. Um, and we're still going to do that. We're still gonna. I'm still working on getting Upton Bell on the show. Um, and Upton, I hopefully you're going to hear in this, but you need to reply to my, my text, uh, cause him and I have been going back and forth on some dates. So we're going to have Upton hopefully back on here, hopefully relatively soon. Cause I want to talk to him. Obviously, um, we want to talk to Upton about the world football league, Johnny, you, I mean, there's just so much to talk with Upton. I mean, literally, and the great thing about Upton is Upton's like the best interview ever because Upton has a lot to say and it's, he's, um, he's li- literally, I mean, people, it's like, you know, you, when you interview people, uh, they do re- a lot of people are, you know, do second hand, but no, Upton lived it all. I mean, like when I talked with Frank Costantino, there was a man there who lived through it all. The la- the, the, the last CFL quarterback to throw a touchdown against an NFL team. So, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have more authors on. Um, it's just gonna take time, and ideally, obviously, I'd like to do this more often now. Now that we've got a little bit of a schedule, um, I know for me being here in Japan, this is my, you know, got I've got a podcast going on tonight over at Gridiron Japan, which we're gonna talk we're gonna cover the rice bowl with my buddies here in Japan. But being able to, you know, to be able to talk to you, uh, this is the best time for us to talk because it's nighttime over there. It's morning time for me. Um, so hopefully we're going to be doing a lot more of this as we move into 2024, but getting back to what I was saying about books, you got any good recommendations on some good football books right now? Oh, I, I probably have a hundred on my bookshelf that I'm looking at from here. Um, what's your, what was the last one you read? The last one I read, I can't remember the exact name. For those listening. Dave is on his way to his bookshelf and going to grab a book. Let's see what we got coming up here. 
He's still gone. I've got some great book recommendations too. I've been on a tear with football books here in Japan. And uh, in fact, working on right now, Oakland Raider books. And for those listening, the one book I am looking, I'm reading right now, it's called Cheating is Encouraged. And I just wrapped up before that, I wrapped up the book called Badasses about the Oakland Raiders. So um, when it comes to football books, football history books in general, for me, my favorite era is the 70s. And there is so much great material out there with, with the 1970s. And if you're not a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association, um, Dave and I are both members. And they just had their new newsletter come out. There is a new book coming that has just come out about George Allen, which I have not read. It's on my stack to read. And um, another good book that I moved into this um, condo here about three months ago. So one of the first books I read when I got here to the condo was uh, Michael McCambridge's new book about sports in the 70s. You are back. You just came back on camera and. You brought a, a stack of football books. I, I brought a couple because um, the probably the one I the football one I just finished it took a lot longer than I wanted to because it because it takes a little while, but it's uh, the Border Boys book. Well, yep, Love that it. is a great book. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. It is three hundred some pages, very small type, and because it's combining rugby and football, I kind of took my time with it because I played rugby. So I understand, I understand it, but it, it's a really, it's not your usual discussion of football. Right. Yeah. It's he did. He did a great job. Um, really did. Yeah. Then, I mean, we sat down with him. We talked to book professor yeah. Christensen. Um, yeah. Cause he is a university professor and yeah. uh, we sat down, we talked with him and it was just a great discussion uh, for those listening. That's a conversation Scott and I had, I think, a couple of years ago now. What yes. else you got? And that's right. And the United States Football League by Paul Reitz, the 82 to 80, 86 book. Um, I got this off of Amazon. Just, I love the USFL. Yeah, love that's all the new. That, that was, it's, it's such a good book. That was one of the ones I finally got around to reading that after we moved in here. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that just so much in there. And that's one of those books people kind of forget about because you've got that book called the one dollar league and then you got yep. football for a buck. Yep. Those are kind of the bookends of USFL history. And that one fits right in the middle. And really be to understand the USFL, I think people need to read all three books. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I I uh I got my copy and this is uh I think the statute of limitations is is over on this. I, I got my copy of the one dollar league by not returning to the library about twenty five years ago. <laughs> I got mine. It cost me a little pretty penny on eBay. So well, yeah, yeah. I I I saw it was like one hundred and fifty bucks. I was like, oh, glad I, I didn't pay that I, much. I didn't pay that much. But much I, yeah, but it was it was one of those like, yeah, I'm gonna buy it. And yeah, but it's okay. uh. So what do you got next? The last this last one is the Michael McCambridge Chuck Knoll. I'm not a Steelers fan. But oh yeah, that is, and I I don't think I can say enough good things about Michael Cambridge and everything he writes. But you know, and to where to rank rank all his books? I mean, they're all like at number one in terms of yeah, just great books. 
Um, and that one, I just, I, I, yeah, I'm like you, I'm not a Steelers fan, but once I started it, could not put it down. And I don't know if you heard me off camera, but when I was talking, you know, Michael McCambridge just came out with a, a new book this past year about the seventies sports it. in the seventies. And I read that, um, and, uh, you know, we had him, Scott and I had him on a couple of years ago. And for me, you know, I get very, I get very fanboyish when it comes to authors. And when it came to Mike, Michael, I was really fanboy because between his work, America's game, I mean, he is, you know, when you talk, when the NFL talks about their history, Michael McCambridge's book always comes up and his book on Chuck Knoll for any Steelers fan. If you have not read it, well, I don't know what you're waiting on. It's, it's, and, um, and well, that was the thing too, when I moved here, um, fortunately a lot of those books have digital copies. So I was able to go on Amazon and get the digital copy yep. of, you know, a lot of Michael McCambridge's work. Um, you know, and I'm, the next one up that I'm reading is going to be the one on, on this, on uh, Ken Stabler. Hmm. His, his, I don't know if it's, it, it, I think if this was written after he passed away, um, I, I, I had it home obviously. And I remember it being a very thick book. Um, but it's on my Kindle. So that's going to be the next one I read though. Honestly, I want to read and I don't do we, has anybody written a biography on John Mann? Cause off the top of my head, I don't recall anybody that's written a biography about John Mann. I don't think so. I have, I have all the, I have all the books he wrote in the eighties. Those are, yeah. those are hilarious. Yeah. And those uh, are also available if people aren't able to get, those are available at least right now on archive.org. So if anybody's interested oh, in those old books, go to archive.org. You can, you can basically borrow them for an hour and then renew them every hour. Hopefully that's archive.org is not going away because they're in a, a legal dispute with publishers and everything. Oh. But you know, we're, I, I don't, but the older, older books that you can't, that are hard to find, you can find there and you can read them. And his book is, a couple of his books are on there. Um, the book yeah. I, I I wish somebody would write that they never will, but to use a Frank Caliendo quote as to one of his bits, man serves for porn. Um, just anything with John Mann, whether it be Frank Caliendo doing a whole bit about John Madden surfing for porn on the internet and just going, cause when I listen to Frank Caliendo do Madden now, I appreciate <laughs> it more because it's, you know, there are times I'm listening to Frank Caliendo do John Madden. I can't tell the difference between the two no. guys. So oh, yeah, it, it, it is so good. It's... It is so good. And it just, it takes you. So I'm reading the books on the, I've been re- going on my Oakland Raider kick and, and reading when, when they're talking with, John Mann, when John Mann does his quotes and everything, I read it in the Frank Caliendo voice, and it it, it makes the reading so much more more pleasurable. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a great book. But he was so he had his TV persona, but then everything else was so private. Yeah, you you saw glimpses of uh, every couple of years, someone would get a interview on his bus. But it was really up until the very end, like the last years of his life, before he really 
did any opening up like and talk about his family or talk about his wife. Like it was very, yeah, John Med, the Madden Cruiser. And that was it. Like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, the family was an extension of who he was. The family was the other part of his life. Right. That you just never, never heard about, which is fine. I mean, that that's, that's all well and good. That's, that's, that's how he kept it separate and that's how it worked for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know really much about his, I mean, for me, until they came out with that documentary, literally, I think it was the day before he passed. Yeah. That any of us really got to know John Mann, yeah. you know, outside of football, talking to, you know, they, they interviewed his kids. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, I mean, you know, there was John Mann, the coach, and it's fun to watch like old replays of old, old games yep. um, to watch him as a coach, but. Yeah, I mean the days somebody like John Mann, Pat Summerall, Tommy Brookshire, mm-hmm. the Howard Cosells, that era is so far for those who didn't grow up during that era to have these guys on your TV to watch, um, you kind of got screwed. Well, because and, as a football and, fan, and, it Go ahead. Sorry, no, go no, ahead. No, go no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. They were the only game. Yeah. Like there's so many more broadcasters now. Like if if you wanted to see it with the big baseball game was Vince Scully, the big football, like, like you, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you had that number one crew and they would do this or they would do that. Or they had that today with so many outlets, so many, so many different opportunities that even, even like the number one, Monday Night Football is a is a that that used to be the best of the best on Monday night, and now it's what the eighth broadcast we watch now as a, and it's it, yeah. it's who's I'm not saying who's left is doing Monday Night Football, but it just doesn't. We don't have the signature games like the World Series. That you had it, like you you had that crew. Like now it's it with the revolving where the Super Bowl is on this channel, then this channel, you don't get a flow of seeing the same broadcaster call those big moments yeah. at that. Like how many times, how many times someone say over and now now it's over 60, talk about Jack Buck making like a like like you don't hear people talking about Joe Garage, the Joe Garage yours anymore because it the only game you had was Saturday afternoon. It was Joe Garris. Yo, like, like I remember yeah. that is I, I could be doing something else and here. Like, hey, that's Joe Garris. Yo's voice. Like it, it just, it's yeah. a part of you. It's part of who you are because that's who that broadcast team was. And we just don't have, we'll never have that again. Probably not. I mean, we've got, I mean, the closest we have is what Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and, you know, just going by, what you see on social media, everybody hates Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and you listen to them and it's like, okay, they're serviceable. Um, you know, but we, we grew up obviously mm-hmm. on our, our Monday nights were defined by Howard Cosell, Dandy Don and, and Frank Gifford. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on Saturdays it was the voice of college football with Keith was Keith Jackson. Yeah. And you just don't have, you just don't have those voices anymore, which, no. um, I like going 
digging into the and even there's other voices your Kirk Gowdy's um you know your Vince Scully Vince Scully calling football is actually entertaining and if you remember correctly he called that game on TV Vince Scully called the catch game Mm -hmm. and then on radio I mean everybody's got somebody different on radio obviously so when I was growing up I'm more in the eighties than anything. That's when I was, that's when I was listening to football on the radio, Wayne Larravee, Wayne Larravee covered the bears. Now he, he is the voice of the Packers now, but to me, the voice of the bears on radio, um, will not be Jeff Joniak and Jeff Joniak does a great, great job covering the, the bears, but it'll always be Wayne Larravee. Same way down in Arizona. To me, the voice of the Cardinals is always going to be, uh, Ron Wolfley, but, You know, everybody's got those voices that, um, yeah, it's not like it used to be. And again, we're old guys, we're older, so it's not like we're saying that the, the, the old days were better. But when it comes to the quality of what's coming out of our TV and our radio, yeah, things were way be- better back then. It was just a different, different feel, um, different approach to the game. Whereas now, and, you know, going back to where we started this whole thing, talking about the XFL. You know, none of these guys back in the 70s calling football games would ever talk about the over-under. No. Too taboo? Yeah. Yeah. You can ask Alex Karras and Paul Horning. (laughs) Even if they could have, though. Even if they could have. They would have never talked about the over-under. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Because that was was the, uh, I'd say, the evil empire. That was the, yeah. the, 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 the professional sports has gladly taken that money with no yeah. issue, but you just don't talk about it. Right. But even, I, but, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I, I, Sorry. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, But no, to me, when they're talking about the over under on these games now, and it doesn't matter because you don't really hear it on the NFL broadcast. In fact, I don't even occasionally. I think the only one I've ever heard mentioned has been Al Michaels, but it's been more in jest than anything. But when it came to the XFL and everybody was trying to do something different, yeah, you know, the, these newer leagues, hell, the over-under is this. You know what? Well, we really don't care. Just, just call the game. Just call the game. Make it a memorable game. And talking about memorable voices on the radio, I tell you what, to me, and we'll just bring this all the way, like I said, full circle here to our XFL discussion, the XFL, if they're going to do this next season right, because to me it's going to be the XFL, even though it's XFL, USFL, to me in my mind it's still XFL because I think ultimately they're the ones driving the, the bus on this. You know what? Give us some people that we want to tune in and listen to. So, for instance, back when the originally XFL started, who was color? who was doing color? Was Jesse the Body Ventura. And Jesse knew his football because he also did color for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under his real name for for several years. But give us voices that, you know, the new generation is going to, years from now, going, hey, yeah, remember that guy used to call that game? That was awesome. And we just don't have those voices now. At least I don't think we do. But, again, we're old. So that's my take. Yeah, it, it, it'd be great, but I just don't – I, I just don't see an up and coming known voice wanting to take that chance. Like I think I think that's why you see who you have, 
doing it, and you'll have the fourth, fifth, and sixth broadcast teams for Fox doing it. Right. But I, it would be nice, but I, I just, I just don't know if someone wants to, someone wants to put their professional credibility and and lay that on the line for this, unless. Yeah. No, I see. Getting, I, 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 I see uh, your point. Because I can mean, I can see like, I, I, I want to say at this point in time, I think Collinsworth gets more negative press on social media than Troy Aikman or that's true. Yeah. He, he every week he is just getting crucified. I think it was his son who was doing the USFL games. Those good, good see him getting a break, but it was, it, it's just one of those things where he has a name. He was okay. But I, I think you need to get a couple, you need to get, even if it's the fourth, fifth and sixth team from Fox, People who work good together that can that can yeah. that can feed instead of just throwing two people in a in a room and going okay guys you're doing color you're doing play by play make it happen yeah and that's well you I know think. yeah yeah or you know guys that we grew up watching and we loved um, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan that type of person that that type of fight in there so um, for those who are listening uh, wondering why I even made that reference. That is uh for for at least the time being that's kind of the new banner on our on our Twitter account um with uh Dave being Gorilla Monsoon and uh cuz Gorilla uh was born up in your neck of the woods and Bobby the Brain Heenan grew up was born in Chicago down in my neck of the woods and of the two of us I'm the one that pisses more people off than than Dave does and I don't mind being the heel <laughs> especially when it comes to my hot takes on spring football that, eh, you know what? A lot of people don't like, but other people see the humor in. So, um, so with all that said, it is getting, uh, it's getting close to bedtime out there and out there in New York and it is lunchtime here in Japan. So Dave, any final words before we sign off? Hope everyone uh, has a great new year's be safe and, uh, we'll see you next year. Yep. And uh, for those of us, what's that? What's okay. That? Oh, okay. No. There's a slight delay too between yes. your video and 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 this. So, um, and and so for for me, um, hey, everybody, have a great New Year. Um, please keep tuning in. We're going to be doing more of this on a regular basis here. Um, now that I'm settled in and I've got the the, the full podcast studio going here at my new place in Japan. And um, if you're looking for the podcast, we are on the Sports History Network, and you can find the podcast if you can find it on any, any obviously, any podcast platform. Just type in from the 55-yard line. and But we're also at www.fromthe55yardline.ca, and uh, you can find us there. And we're also on Twitter. Um, who even calls it X? Every time I ever hear this mentioned, X, formerly known as Twitter. Oh, we're on Twitter. Um, and we are at from the 55. Um, and you can message us there with, you know, your candid thoughts, your complaints. Um, you know, any feedback is appreciated, even negative feedback. I don't mind. Because you know what? If you're even if you're giving me negative feedback telling us, hey, we suck, at least I know you're listening. 
you know, and that's always nice to know. So, well, listen, on behalf of Dave and myself, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, hopefully we will be back next week about this time uh, to kind of talk about the week that was in the NFL. Uh, Maybe we'll have some more XFL news. God only knows. I mean, XFL, USFL, whatever they decide to call this thing. Um, And next week, actually, I'll save the conversation for, but next week I want to talk to you, Dave, about uh, simulation sports because you and I are both sim sim sports fans. Um, uh, but we'll talk more about that next week in terms of what your favorite sports are, you know, board versus computer, so on and so forth. So that'll be a conversation for next week that we weren't able to really get to today. So, oh, so with all that said, on behalf of um, Dave and myself. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you're listening, hey, I'm also on on the at, on the Gridiron Japan podcast, which we will be recording the new episode tonight. Um, so feel that should be coming out about the same time this episode drops. And so feel free to give that that uh, show a listen if if you're curious about football in Japan, uh, where I sit down with um, journalist John Gunning and former Japanese football. Um, X-League star, BJ Beattie. Uh, the three of us will be given our peak, our picks this week for the upcoming rice, basically the Super Bowl of Japan, the rice bowl between the Panasonic Impulse and the Fujitsu Frontiers. So with all that said, thank you very much. Have a happy new year and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. This is Don Meredith of the Dallas Cowboys. Go Dallas Cowboys. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.